I can remember even in high school, um, like taking hallucinogens in school, like acid or mushrooms or stuff like that, like in class, you know, and going like a full day at school, like just tripping out. And it seemed normal to me. You know, normal is what you surround yourself with. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, so I was surrounding myself by those types of people. So to me, it was normal. Right. Uh, But to to someone who actually is normal, that is probably insane. Everyone's fighting a battle that you can't see. I am James and welcome to Focus For You. In this podcast, I will give you tips to overcome the challenges that we all battle with. thank you again uh welcome back welcome back glad that you're here uh i have a very special guest and with this special guest we will be doing a three-parter uh we sat here and talked for uh almost three hours and the story that this man has told me is amazing it's it's literally literally amazing um as you guys get ready to lock yourself in for a journey uh think to yourself about someone that you love someone that you care about someone that you know or may not know that may have gone through some type of addiction now my guest has battled and continues to battle his addiction and It's amazing to see and listen to where he has started, to where he is now. If you had met him today without any other uh, inkling, you would think that he was normal. And for us, what we consider normal, this man is way better than normal. He has overcome obstacles that many of us have failed. He has overcome obstacles that I couldn't even put myself in to kind of think, is this possible for me? So for me, this story has helped me change the perspective of people's lives that go down this road. So guys, listen up, listen up, listen up. Here's the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, Another episode for you. Um, This time I have a guest that I didn't think would be on the show. He kept ducking me, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but in in, in all seriousness, um, I'm Kyle. I'm glad that you're here. Um, We had a brief conversation, which ended up turning into like two and a half hours on the uh, PSN voice chat. Uh, just about a, a, a various of different stuff. 
And uh, I asked you to be on the show and you gladly said yes. And I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking me to come on. It's, uh, it's, it's my pleasure, dude. I mean, it's, uh, I like what you guys got going on and you know, anything I can do to help is I'm here, man. Yeah. So, um, I know Kyle from a, a place that I don't like to mention on my <laughs> show. Cause I don't, I don't want to give them any credit. You guys can do your homework if you like, but I don't like giving them any credit. So, um, and we kind of hit it off. It was it was kind of weird at first because I'm sure you thought I was an asshole because a lot of people do, and uh, but <laughs> I started to our 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 similar asshole traits tended to right um, right uh, tended to bond with each other and we kind of gain a, a level of respect. Would you say? Right. We were both speaking that 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 sarcasm and that you know kind of ball breaking attitude that you know helps us pass the day. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would absolutely say that. Um, and it made for interesting times when we were there and we were dealing with other people. And um, then we, we started, we exchanged phone numbers and we started playing games together. And it, then it evolved into a little bit more. And um, I'm just recently finding out more and more about you and uh, come to find out that you're, you're a recovering addict, correct? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know, in a, in, in a work setting, <laughs> You know, yeah, that's not something thing. you just open with, right? Right. I, it's not like, hey, man, I'm Kyle. Uh, how are you? Um, I'm a drug addict. You know, that's not typically how it goes down in the workplace. But um, now I'm very candid and open about it because that's kind of how I, how I, you know, stay grounded in recovery is just to be open and honest. And, you know, now I have the opportunity now, now that I don't work with you, it's it's not a it's not a big secret. You know what I mean? Right, right. I'm not I'm not one to really um, pry into people's lives if they want to share that kind of stuff with me. I'm incredibly gracious and grateful for that that they feel comfortable enough to share something like that with me. Um, so when you had told me that, I the wheels in my head started to spin because for me, when I met you, never would have thought not not ever would have thought and it's it just makes me incredibly curious if like how'd you like how'd you get from that point to this point so that's why when I when you told me this the first thing popped up was like I gotta get this guy in my show because I want to hear his story and I'm sure your story can impact so many people's lives and I'm sure you you've you've kind of alluded to me that you've kind of stepped into that light to try to do so could you you know could you share yeah i mean well you know going back to what you said when when for my anything i say you know i speak for myself i can't speak for others but for me once you get clean uh i kind of like you said you would have never really assumed that that i was you know a drug addict or had had that type of lifestyle before but it's almost like for me, I, I put it on like extra thick. Like I feel, I feel guilty about things that I've done or places I've been and, you know, things like that. So I try to like put that extra mask on of, because you don't really want people to, to know that side of you, I guess, in some situations. Yeah, I can see that. You know, so it, it's almost like uh, you're on your P's and Q's like extra, you know what I mean? Um, 
and, 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 you know, getting clean and giving an opportunity to work and, and having someone trust you. And, and the thing that I was doing, you know, at the job where I ran into you, um, on my side, you know, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of, for my business, you know, there's a lot of trust, a lot of money, yeah, a lot of responsibility on the table. So yeah, come to think I about it from, yeah, I just, I wanted to, to really, you know, be viewed as someone who was professional. You had to prove yourself. Right. Right. And, uh, and you know, the thing is too, man, is drug addicts hold a lot of guilt, a lot, a lot of shame. Um, a lot of situations that take some years and even decades to, uh, to kind of get over could be inner, inner demons or things they've done. And, uh, it, it takes a long time to work through that, man. And that, I mean, that's part of the recovery process. Uh, so, you know, we, a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, we're carrying a lot of shit with us, you know, once we get clean. Yeah, I can, uh, man, I, I, I wouldn't even want to know what that, that kind of burden is like. So how about you take me to the time where you, um, you first started using and you first kind of realized that you kind of <laughs> had a the problem. whole story, man. Yeah. I want the whole story. I want the whole shebang. I don't want any, like, <laughs> you don't want the watered down version. Nah, man. Watered down yeah. isn't for me, man. I got you. I, I, you know, first of all, uh, I've been clean this year will be nine years. Uh, dude, congrats. That's, that's, that's awesome. Every day is, it should be a reward in your life, man. That's fantastic. You know what? Like the the reality is that James though is that like I really don't deserve any any type of commandment or anything. It's just like I'm just doing what I should have been doing the whole time. Um, I understand that, but I I'm I'm gonna argue with you coming from a person that has seen people struggle with addiction and that know people that can't get out of that. So the yeah. fact that you're nine years sober, man, that's 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 applaudable. It's very, um, very. I, I appreciate it, man. I do. Um, it, it doesn't seem like that to me. It seems, uh, I mean, literally, it seems like yesterday I was, you know, running the streets. It, it's that fresh in my head, you know, nine years later. Um, I don't associate with, you know, I, I come the, the way I got clean, and I'll and I'll get into the whole the whole shebang, but the way I got clean was through narcotics anonymous that that's the program that helped me get clean. And, uh, that's what I chose to do. And it worked for me. Uh, it's not for everybody. It's, it's what I personally see the most, uh, people have success with. It's got the highest success rate, you know? Right. Um, and I hadn't really tried to get clean the majority of my using. Um, and, and the time that I really, really tried, uh, and I started showing up to these meetings and stuff. These twelve-step meetings is is what did it for me. Um, a lot of people come in and out of the out of the rooms, as they call it, and uh, and don't really get it right. I was fortunate enough to to come in and really get it right the first shot so far, you know. Um, but uh, you know, man, I, I to to take you back. I mean, I have in my family, I have a, a long, long list of of mental mental illness and drug addiction on, on both sides of my family whether that predisposes you or not you know i can't say um i do know that i i saw it well in your in your personal opinion i know you say you know it doesn't predispose you but in your personal opinion of somebody that has seen people and seen experiences and had experience do you feel like possibly family traits have a some kind of influence well, you know, you, you're going to do, 
you know, people lead by example. So whatever you're exposed to, there's a good chance that you're, I mean, whether you're talking about like a genetic level or, or just, you know, example of how people around you are acting and living, um, you know, obviously that's going to set an example in your life or, or in anyone's life, you know, um, for me, I, I do believe that though, man, I do believe that, but here's the thing, you know, James, a lot of people have addiction and, and mental illness yeah. in their family and this day and age it's everywhere. Yes, it is. So it's hard to say, man, but for me, I, I do believe that it played a role. I mean, I have, my father's got eight brothers and sisters. My, my mother had three sisters and there's a good majority of them, uh, had me- mental health or addiction or both, you know, issues growing up. So, you know, I don't really see that as a child. You don't, you don't really see the impact. You don't, you know, it's, it's more hidden when you're little. Right. Um, but it was definitely there. And just to, to touch up on that, I'm a firm believer that mental illness and drug addiction really do go hand in hand. And sometimes they get so, uh, like enwrapped in each other. It's hard to really draw the line, you know, of what is, mental illness and what is addiction you know where does the line end you know so i was gonna ask you do you think if somebody had said to you or shown you that uh this person had mental illness or something do you think it made you would make you more aware at a younger age dude i I mean honestly i know we're playing with hopes and dreams and shoulda wouldas and couldas I don't think it would have mattered, man, because I, I was the type of dude that as soon as I got high, I loved it. That was it. Yeah. Like, there was no, like, dipping my foot in the water. Like, I was just all in off the rip. Like, like as soon as I started using, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I've heard stories about that. And being honest with you, it's one of my reasons why I'm fearful of doing anything like that, man. Because I don't want to be like, man, and then just not see anyone but myself because i i want to say in my opinion the stigmatism that people that are using are, are incredibly selfish yeah i mean it, it it goes with anything though like what some people have a natural fear of other people you know are excited by that you know it could be jumping out of a plane or whatever hiking up a big mountain i mean anything you know uh, where, where you have a natural fear of it, but maybe someone else, they love it. It excites them. It, it you know, it causes adrenaline or, or a rush or whatever. So that's, that's the difference there. I think. Yeah. I, I, I could see the the similar correlation, but I don't know if, um, those highs are coursing through your bloodstream and, telling your body that you need more do you know what i mean i, I mean yeah. like in, in in a way that 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 drugs do it to you i'm sure you know these uh adrenaline junkies they're feeling the same way you know jumping out of a plane or bungee jumping or or whatever it may be they're still feeling the same way where their body's craving the adrenaline yeah i'm it, but on the other side too like i personally I like the rush. I like the hustle and bustle. I like the streets. I like, I liked just like the, the, the anxiety of, of, and the anticipation of, of going to cop and going to, you know, run around and, and doing this and that for drugs. Like the whole lifestyle excited me. So 
not just like the moment where the drugs into your body isn't always where the rush starts. You know what I mean? Like it might be the car ride there or how you, you know, how you got the money to, to get high that day, you know, things like that. Like the whole, the whole package is, is what excited me at first. <laughs> I mean, that at gets first all quick. Yeah. It, yeah. It's all quick. But so, so tell me your uh, routine when you were going to go pick up, like, what would that be like? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a different routine in, in the beginning um, while, while you're still sane and, and, and have, you know, assets and, 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 and people in your life and, and, and access to money like that. At, at that point in the game, it's more like a party. You know what I mean? Um, we're down the road, you know, you might resort or, you know, I've had to resort to all kinds of shit, stealing and, 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 uh, and selling drugs and all kinds of all kinds of things like that to be able to get drugs you know because really at some point you become unemployable uh you know irresponsible um a lot of people burn a lot of their bridges um you know so it's not like you can just bum money like so the things you start to do to get money get crazier and crazier as, as time goes on i mean everyone has like their own little hustle or whatever they do um but you know, at the beginning stages, man, it was fun. It was partying, you know, I was using with people, you know, towards the end, you're just kind of using by yourself or, or one other person. Ah, you know? man. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it and the aspect of um, just the partying side, because I want to say the majority of people that, you know, use drugs, are just using him for that kind of um, viewpoint of, you know, partying to kind of get high, to release and to not feel what they're feeling, whatever it may be in their everyday lives. And little do they know that that's kind of turning them into more of an addict. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, a functioning addict which usually happens for a, a, a pretty good period of time. You know, um, you'll notice like, like for me, you know, I'd have, a, we'd have a party at the house or whatever, someone's house and I'm the last one up. I'm still playing beer pong or I'm still rolling blunts or, you know, I'm still doing this. It's two, three, four in the morning when, when people are starting to go home or, or go, you know, they got to get up for work or whatever. And I'm still going, you know, uh, that, 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 that's at an early stage. I mean, that kind of separated it for me as, like, you know, what are these guys doing? Like, they're done. Like, I'm not done. I'm not done until, till everything's gone. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And, and that's, that's the difference. Like, you know, some people go have a couple of drinks and, and, and crash. Um, but the nights never ended for me ever. You know, so give me a, give me a story about one of those early times. <sighs> um, you know, man, <laughs> When I was, so I, I'm going to kind of back it up and give you what she was asking for earlier about kind of how it started. Okay. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid, man, I, and I'm talking, uh, I guess, 12, 13, 14, uh, you know, start smoking weed, drinking a little bit. Um, not every day. I mean, I was a kid, but it, right off the rip, I, I liked it. I loved it. Um, you know, and, and I quickly realized that if I sold the weed, I could smoke for free, you know? Mm. And, and, and that was, you know, that excited me because now 
I'm in a position where like I get to get high and it, you know, it almost gives me almost like a position of power where, where, you know, people need me to get stuff. Right. And, and that in itself is kind of exciting too. Right? I mean, I liked it, man. I just liked that hustle. I liked that life. And, and, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, into high school, um, you know, going to a lot of shows and concerts, uh, going to a lot of like hippie festival type shows and just, you know, doing a lot of drugs and drinking, um, in the parking lots, uh, bringing stuff there, hustling there, um, meeting a lot of people, making connections. Yeah. A lot of connections. Um, and, and a lot of different drugs. Like I, I didn't really have, you know, I smoked weed, but you know, I pretty much do anything at that time. And, uh, and I loved it. I loved it, man. It was, it was a good time. Um, but you know, what, per, what that, person, what person that? at like, I said, what person at age 18 between their, like, you know, 18 to 25 wouldn't kind of feel that way if they're already kind of established in that, in that world, if you will. You feel yeah. like you, you feel like you're running the world, at least you your do. world. You do, man. And, and, you know, when you're a kid and, and you got, you know, a little money in your pocket and, and, and the cute girls are looking at you and, and you got a little bit of power because, you know, and I'm not talking real power. I'm just saying, you know, you just you're the guy that people go to, you know, money is power. And and people that need whatever you have, that makes you powerful, too. So definitely. Yeah. And that's a rush. That's a rush right there. Um, you know, but what happened probably right after high school was, you know, the drugs started getting a little bit harder. And I used that same mentality where, hey, man, if I just sell them, I can kind of use them for free. You know, and, and that followed me into harder drugs, which, <laughs> you know, that that's a game changer right there. Because, you know, no one really, I mean, weed is weed. But once you start doing other things, it's it's it's, it's more risk. It's more money. It's, it's just, it's more high. It's just more everything. It's just crazier. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I started doing that and, you know, I always kept a good job and, uh, I party on the weekends and sometimes I'd party, you know, before, not really before school, but we would smoke weed before school or before work, things like that. And, and, you know, but still function. Uh, it seemed pretty normal to me at the time you know, looking back now saying like what 15, 16 year old kid would like, you know, drink alcohol at the bus stop in the morning or, or smoke weed in the morning. Um, but that's, that's crazy. If you think it is, it. it is crazy. Cause I remember being 16 years old at the bus stop seeing, you know, um, seniors in high school doing that. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? It's like seven o'clock in the morning and that's what you're doing right now. Like, it, it was yeah. one of the reasons why I stayed away from it. Yeah, it's not seeing, seeing people that age being like one. My first thought was to me always is like, where do you even get this to have it first thing in the morning? Right. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, I can remember even in high school, um, like taking hallucinogens in school, like acid or mushrooms or stuff like that, like in class you know, and going like a full day at school, like just tripping out. And it seemed normal to me. Isn't, is that, is that where it all kind of starts for you? Is that things that, that, that kind of behavior just seemed really normal? You know, normal is what you surround yourself with. You know what I mean? 
Uh, oh, that's a great quote, bro. You know, so I was surrounding myself by those types of people. So to me, it was normal. Right. Uh, but to, to someone who actually is normal, that is probably insane. You know? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I was writing that down. Normal is what you surround yourself with. <laughs> and I, that's that, for you. Man, because you, you, I, I think about I, I think about normal all the time. What is quote unquote normal? And with the way the world is and the way society is and the way our culture is, there's no such thing as normal. Like normal is just a it should it, that word should be never used to describe anything. Yeah, and me and you were talking about this earlier. Like, what you, what I don't want to happen is like I don't want to normalize insanity and like crazy things. Right? No, I no, I don't think anybody does. But it starts to happen, and it happens easily, like with like social media and other situations, like like really, really whacked out things become normal, like faster because of because you know the whole world is at your fingertips online. So what you're exposed to is just, it's, it's everywhere, you know, it's crazy, man. Yeah, completely. I, um, agree tenfold. Uh, it doesn't even, um, I can't even say how much I agree with that, but, um, you were kind of, um, leading us in a direction where you were talking about, um, moving into harder drugs and, um, after you stop. Well, not, I don't know if you stopped selling weed, but you were still kind of in that direction. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I was partying more than, more than the average person. Um, you know, just to touch base on, on, on family, like when I was growing up, um, my father actually was real sick. He had brain cancer when he, when he was 30, he got brain cancer and, uh, he had to stop working and my mother quickly took on a couple jobs you know, while he was disabled and it just left a lot of, uh, just a lot of free reign in in my household to kind of like get away with anything, you know? Yeah. 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 That was kind of one turning point right there. Uh, looking back on, I, at the time I really didn't understand that, but, um, you know, it's not that my folks were, I mean, they were great parents. Um, but how much can you really watch three kids when you're working two jobs and, and taking care of your husband and got all that going on. So it really just let me do whatever I wanted, you know? Right. And I'm sure your parents felt that they did well enough with you, raising you and taking care of you that, um, that they could leave you and feel you're being responsible. Yeah. I mean, they, no, nah, I, they knew what was going on, man. They, they, they had an idea, but it's like, you know, as long as I wasn't acting too reckless, I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, I worked a full-time job since, since, you know, 16, 17, I started working young, uh, always had, you know, some type of hustle and a job, you know, I was always so, so on the, on the outside, I probably seemed pretty responsible, you know, bought a car at 16, um, you know, just, just working and, and, you know, my grades were like, uh, my grades were shit really, but you know, I did enough to get by. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I would, I would have thought. Like when I saw you, I, if I met you at that time, you had a little bit of money in your pocket. You had a nice job. You worked your butt off to have the things that you wanted in life. I mean, what person wouldn't, 
what young person wouldn't you want to be striving towards that? Little do you, little do you know that you know getting you're getting high at the bus stop. Or, <laughs> yeah, or exactly. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, just that that just whole love for for the scene. Um, once I got older, it just it just exploded, man. I, when I finished high school, you know, I was already doing hallucinogens, going to shows, um, you know, smoking weed, smoking hash, drinking, uh, using cocaine occasionally, things like that, you know, uh, just partying, just partying a lot, hanging out with a lot of hippies and, and, and you know, people in, in like the concert scene, you know, going to a lot of parties and, and just just chilling all the time. Um, but like I said, man, I didn't stop. Like at the end of the night, people would stop and I wouldn't stop. And, uh, I, at that point though, I didn't really knew I had an issue. Um, I just thought I'd like to get high more than other people. Right. Um, what, what the game changer for me was, is I was what, 19, 20 years old. I graduated high school late because, you know, I think I took an extra year, year and some change because I just really wasn't doing anything. So it took me an extra year, but I got out of high school and I had a good job and I had a bunch of money saved up. And uh, I was about 20 years old. I bought a house right off the rip. Just no apartments, no, no wow. one going to live with a buddy. I just I bought a house, um, small wow. house in my hometown. Yeah, and that's still that's still that's huge. Yeah, it it is, and I mean I fucked it up, but it, it's no, it doesn't matter if you if if you messed it up or not. But that's still huge. No, I don't. I don't I don't know anybody out of high school that would have done that. If I'd known anybody out of that, it would have blew my mind. I'd have been like, what were you doing? What? How did I mess up? You know, but as you were saying before, what you what you look like on the outside is how people kind of, you know, like like judge a book by its cover. And like as far when you're asking about my parents and stuff, like what are they going to say? Like I'm working. I seem pretty responsible. Right. I bought a house. I have my own car. You know, I got a full-time job. Um, everything on the outside looks pretty normal. I tried to, uh, you know, dress a certain way. Um, try to, try to, you know, stay fresh as I can, you know, on the outside. And then people really wouldn't know what was going on on the inside. You know what so I mean? So at that point, what, what were you thinking on the inside with you when, you know, you just bought your house and everything? You know what, man? I wasn't, I wasn't humbled at the time. I was cocky about it. Um, I was cocky about it and that cockiness, that ego is actually what kept me out using for so long. So many years out there is that little ego shit that I had with me at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I felt, I felt like I was on top of the world and, and that, that also made it harder for me to recognize, like, who are you going to tell me? Like, listen, dude, I'm 20 years old. I got this, that, and the third a job, a house, you know, beautiful girlfriend, all these things. Who are you going to tell me that I'm doing something wrong? What are you doing? And that's the attitude I had. Well, because you, if you think about it now, there's still people in their late 40s and 50s still trying to buy a house that cannot do that. And you've done that. You've you've essentially have captured the American dream by the age of, you know, before the age of 25. Yeah, before the age of 21, really. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying 25, yeah. just because it's an ideal number for a lot of people. Yeah, for real. And, and, and how are you supposed to tell this, this, you know, this 20 something year old person that, that they're not doing what 
they should be doing in the world that quote unquote would classify that as normal. Right. Right. So I had a lot of, I mean, I don't know if you call them enablers, but a lot of people in my corner, but that, but then again, they really didn't know what was going on to the, to the extent either, you know? So it's, it's why were they enablers? What would, what make them enablers? Well, I guess because like you said, what, what they saw going on on the surface, like the people that knew me well, as I started to slip around that time, uh, didn't really call me out on my bullshit because I was doing well on the surface, you know, where, where maybe, I don't know if they minimized my, not that it's the responsibility to, to, to take care of me anymore, but I don't know if they minimized what was going on or didn't want to confront it. But to me now, like as an adult, it's like, if you have friends or family, someone close to you and you can't call them out on their bullshit, like respectively, like you're really not doing nothing for them as a friend. Do you think if somebody called you out on your BS at that time that it would have turned you in a different direction? No, not at all. I would have argued with them. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a lose, lose anyway, but it's different looking back on it than when you're in the moment then. Oh, I mean, perspective is everything, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, so, so at that time, you know, I bought the house and uh, immediately just started partying crazy, like revolving door parties. Uh, I had two friends living with me. I finished the basement. They rented the downstairs. It was nice. Um, people over constantly. Um, and you know, you're 20 years old. Where are you going to party? Oh, Kyle has a house. Like that, that was it. Yeah. 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 I know. Oh man. I, it just, you say that and it brings me back to, uh, a place in time with me when I was 20 years old and we, and me and my friends, we had a place we can go and have that same kind of freedom where we literally anything we wanted, but we were trying to be as respectful as humanly possible with doing whatever we wanted. And we all, we had a buddy, we'd go over to his house and just, uh, literally, I don't man. Yeah. James, it was wild, man. I'm, you know, looking back at it now, the guy to the right of me, the, the the couple to the right of me was, they were both teachers with little kids. And this was like a small, like little cookie cutter neighborhood, like a small ranch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Houses are close together. The guy next to me to the right was two teachers. The guy next to me to the left was a preacher or a pastor or something. And the three dudes across the street were uh, like, COs from, from, from the jail, like correctional officers. So looking back on it, man, it was like, they must've hated me. Sure. You know, always cars in the street, always cars in the street music. I mean, you know, I, I tried to be somewhat respectful about the noise, but, um, I'm sure it wasn't is, is <laughs> I'm sure I wasn't being as respectful as I thought I was. I'm sure. Um, any cop complaints calls or any of that yeah a few times we we had we had the cops over there probably i don't know three or four times you know i was hustling so i really tried to stay low-key with that and when i say parties i don't mean like ragers with like 30 40 people over it was like a, a set of friends you know five ten people would come over and, and kind of try to be a little bit low-key um, yeah but, but it was the same 10 people 
yeah, you know, like four times a week, five times a week. Boys would bring some girls over their girlfriends or, you know, it wasn't like wide open, but it was wide open to my circle. Right. Um, I know exactly where you were at and I know exactly what you're saying. So, and you know, and you try not to bring in new people because you don't want them to feel or start to think or question anything that else is going on within your circle. Right. And I'm very private as far as, um, like if you're in, you're in, if you're not, you're not. And that's it. Yeah. There's no, there's no in between and there's nothing wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no teetering. Like either I trust you or I don't. Um, or if I don't trust you fully, you're, you're just not in. Right. So, you know, we had to be careful, but, um, that's kind of where the transition started though, man. Like, you know, we, I get like beer pong and all that was like real popular at the time. We'd be in the garage playing beer pong and smoking and, and, uh, you know, someone might have some harder drugs and, you know, we go in the basement and do them or whatever, kind of try to be low key about them. Cause one, you don't want to share them with everybody. And two, you really don't want everyone knowing what you're doing. So it kind of got like a little bit like secretive and like, you know, mysterious with that, with the harder stuff. Um, but quickly, like real quickly, I remember like party, like there'd be like 10 or 12 people in my living room. And these guys are like having fun, playing card games, drinking, dancing, listening to music. And I'm like in my room by myself with one other person, like doing other drugs. And the party was like in my bedroom. You know, and that's where it started to like shift when I'm starting to party like more privately, even though my house is full of people. Right. I want to like, you know, hide away and, and just be by myself. Uh, that that's when I knew things started to get a little bit, a little bit crazy. Did you, when you were in that room with the other person, did you, did you feel like the party was in the room or did you guys feel, or did you feel like, Hey, let's go over here and, you know, do a couple lines and go back to the party. Or it was, I'm staying in the room and that's where the party is. Yeah, no, I, I was cool in my room. Um, I had my computer, my, my music, um, you know, it was just, that's where I was comfortable. And plus with certain drugs, there's a certain amount of paranoia that comes along with it. Uh, so you know, you don't want to like rip a bunch of lines and then just like walk out into these bright lights with people screaming. And, you know, so a lot of times I would just kind of like tuck away in my room and just kind of do my own thing. So, um, so what were you doing in the room? Like what were, I mean, I'm sure I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sure some of the listeners are thinking like, what, what were the drugs that you're doing at the time? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So, so the get like the game changer for me was, was opiates was like Oxycontin stuff like that. Um, when this is funny story when i was 20 and i just bought the house i worked for a i worked for a communications company and they uh they sent me to rhode island for like some training right for some like this like electronic school or whatever and that week i actually had a bunch of like dental work done and I was going away for like two weeks and my dentist just like loaded me up with whatever it was like Percocet or oxycodone or some shit like that. And I just took them all with me. And I, I had done them in the past, you know, but this time I had like, you know, a lot of them. So I, I go to Rhode Island and uh, it was actually September 11th, the, the 2001 when, when the towers came down. No way. And, uh, 
yeah, it was crazy. I was, I was in this hotel by myself, um, for the weekend because like the school started on that Monday or whatever. And, um, I was in the bar of the airport and the airport and the hotel were, were connected. Yeah. They're, I'm sure they were. Most places are. Yeah. It was like one, one thing. It was a TF green airport. And, um, I had all these pills and I remember I ate a couple of these pills and I was like feeling great. And, uh, you know, I ate a couple more, uh, feeling better. And we're watching, we're watching the TV and, uh, you know, we see the towers come down and matter of fact, this is crazy. This earlier in the day, earlier in the day, we were doing a thing cause it was for the cable company. So we were like hooking up a bunch of TVs and they were doing like demonstrations on like, you know, whatever, like how, how do you hook up a cable box with the Xbox with the surround sound and, and all that. And they were doing like, like a guide to like show you how to do all these things. So we had a bunch of screens on the wall and uh, we're all sitting there in class and the news is on and you see like 10 screens and, and, and all the action and the buildings coming down and the planes and the news. And we're just sitting there in class, like, holy shit, like just staring like, wow. And, and meanwhile, we're in an airport, you know, we're in the airport hotel. Yeah. That's, so um, it's, that's the first and only time all the flights across America have been grounded. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was crazy thinking about that, and we're we're like staring at it like, yo, this can't be real, right? Um, a little side note, um, I'll tell you what I was doing at nine eleven. I people always have these kind of things, so I were I had um, I had recently just been uh, let off, uh, been fired from a job, actually working at the airport, <laughs> and um, I was sleeping, and my mom comes running upstairs and tells me a plane just hit the world trade center. And I'm like, okay, whatever, ma, I roll over and I go back to sleep. And then she's like, she comes back and gets me like an hour later. She says, another plane hits it. I'm like, okay, whatever. I click the, (laughs) I turn the TV on, I see what happens. And then I just go about my day because I didn't think of it to be anything more than some kind of like fairy tale story. Like it wasn't real. It was, it wasn't real. I'm like stuff like this doesn't happen. One, first and foremost does not ever happen on us soil. So that's why I, I, that's why for me, I really didn't take it all that seriously as a side note. I'm sorry, but continue. No, no, it's, it's, I'm just kind of like reminiscing on that. It was just nuts, man. Just to, just to watch that. And, and, it was a crazy day, man. And, and we, so we're watching on the screen and uh, the odd thing too is, so we're, it's like an electronic school. It's like an AV type class we're in. So we all have like these little like tech toolkits for the cable company and stuff and like, you know, wires and, and like clippers and like little tools. And we get back to the hotel room to, we each get back to our rooms and, you know, we get a phone call like, hey, the, the feds are searching rooms right now. Now we're all there like with like bags of like literally bags of wires and like wire snippers and, and cables and like all this shit that, you know, probably could look like bomb shit. Yeah. Very suspect. You know, and we all have it cause we all got our brand new fancy toolkits that day. <laughs> so they, they ask us to go down and just, you know, like just leave your room and go hang out like in the lobby or whatever. So I go down uh, to the lobby and 
there's a flight attendant down there that she was like grounded. Like you said, all the flame, all the planes stopped that day. And, um, she was kind of like in the bar, just, just hanging out because she couldn't fly. Um, so I had eaten a handful of those pills and I was just feeling good. And, you know, I started talking to her a little bit and I remember, and here's where that ego shit comes in. I remember I'm talking to her and the, the pilots are in the bar and they're like joking with me. They're like, dude, she's not going to talk to you. Like she's, it's not going to happen. Like basically they're like, we're rich airplane pilots and we can't get with her. So there's no way a schmuck cable guy like you is, you know, has a chance type shit. Right. Right. <laughs> but I'm high as shit. So I'm like, All right, whatever. what do you care? Yeah. Right. right. I'm like whatever. All right. So, you know, we start talking and uh, we hit it off and we actually dated for a while. Um, she actually coincidentally didn't live too far from me, like back, back in Connecticut. And, uh, we dated for a while, but when I came home from that trip, like, I just loved, I just loved the pills, man. I just loved them. You know, they made me feel good. They made me work harder. Uh, you know, just, just, I liked the way I felt on them and, uh, I just continued using them and buying them and, you know, getting them from the doctor and buying them from people. And that's kind of like what opened me up to, to the next like shit show that would be the next 10 years of my life so let me ask you something do you feel like uh prescription opioids is a bad thing in today's society culture world well i mean it's is it an epidemic is it a problem it's it's a fucking huge epidemic um I, I feel it's so bad now that the, the risk to reward is not even there, you know, and a lot of these pharmaceutical companies have, there's been lawsuits and all kinds of stuff going on over the years about, you know, the strengths of the medication and the addictive factor and all that. Um, I mean, that, that's what created in my eyes, you know, the area we live in, James is a huge heroin area. No, I know. You know, from New York to Boston and Jersey and Philly, the whole tri-state. I mean, it's 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 an area, you know. And you're and you're talking about a ginormous chunk of population in the United States too. Yeah, and ginormous. I feel like the the opioids and, and the prescription drugs definitely definitely opened up the world to a lot of people, um, because for me, you know, that was the next step for me. That was the next. That was the next high. That was the one that was going to increase your your high. Would you say? Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, so you know, we started doing the, the opiates and and we loved them. Me and you know, one of my roommates and a couple other guys, you know, a couple of my friends, and um, it was only a matter of time. You know, when you're when so we're buying like oxycontin and 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 uh and like real hard hard opioids you know pharmaceutical ones and you know you'd hear people say like in that world like oh why don't you just do dope why don't you do heroin it's cheaper and in my head i'm like dude i'm not gonna be a junkie (laughs) but realistically i already am one well i mean i guess if you're looking at it yeah sure Mm -hmm. so you know it was only a matter of time before um you know i went through about a year of doing those pills and one day, you know, I ran into, uh, you know, it was like my birthday or something. Matter of fact, yeah, it was my birthday. And my mother was coming over. My father was still real sick and they were going to take me out to dinner. And I was like 
dope sick from the pills. Like I didn't have anything that day. And, uh, one of my buddies was like, you know, why don't you just try dope? And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, I just caved that day. And, um, and I did that instead. And, and I don't think I ever went back after that day. I think, I think once, once, once I hit the ground running, that was it. Wow, man. That was it, dude. Kyle has taken us on an amazing adventure thus far. Tune in next week to hear more. It gets a little further into the mess. It gets a little further into the muddy water. It gets further into the muck. So until next time, focus for you. Hey guys, thanks for stopping by again today and pressing play with me. I really appreciate you. I really have a great value for every one of your likes, every one of your downloads, every one of your subscriptions, every one of your retweets. I appreciate all of that. So make sure that you guys are on my Facebook being active. That's Focus For You, the podcast, and on my Twitter page at Focus underscore For You. So get out there. I want to hear from you. Let's keep doing this. Until next time, focus for you.